Hey, unless you've been under a rock, you know the NFL is back, college football is back, and the NBA Finals are underway. Prime betting season right now. It's winning season, though, at my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but a little something-something on the game. Whether it's not that much, or maybe more than not that much, if you've got a hunch about something, is a lot more fun than just flipping around, oh, there's a game on. Get with my bookie. MyBookie.com, the official website to get your sweet action with this ZabeCast. Go there right now and put your deposit in. They will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Pretty sweet, right? Plus, they've got a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away five grand in cash prizes every four weeks. I mean, come on. Get in on this. It is the best leverage you'll ever get to win a big payday without having to risk losing a big payday. All that and more is at mybookie.com. Promo code ZABE. That's promo code Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. Get that 100% dollar-for-dollar matchup. Sign up today and bet with the site I use, mybookie.com. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, it's all there at mybookie.com. Today on the Zabecast, ratings, respect, and riots. Three quick thoughts on the just-completed NBA Finals and where the league goes from here. I took the Mobile Strike Studio out to see John Rodas on Sunday. We talked about trucks, mentors, trees, staggering length with the driver, and a whole lot more. All that plus your Rona Rodeo on a Tuesday. Your high test, not street legal. 30-minute dose of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs> here we go. Tuesday, October 13th, 2020. Thank you for downloading. Let's get right to it. All hail LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, your NBA champions for 2020, the bubblicious champs of them all. This is a real championship, a deserved championship, and one that I put no asterisks, no ampersands, no otherwise notations on. It was a hard one to win. And I give LeBron James and the Lakers full credit for winning it. Now, there are some caveats. Now, I'm not going to actually put any asterisks on this. But the way that they got Anthony Davis was so underhanded and so not clean. Let's be honest. They basically stole him. They pretty much went to New Orleans and said, hey, you're going to lose this guy anyway. So you just might as well trade him to us. And you could say, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, if he says, I'm not going to resign and I'm going to opt out, why don't they get value in return? It's the forcing of the hand of these smaller markets by these bigger stars that has made the league a tough sell to many sports fans who want the basketball to be front and center. But, hey, they did it. They got it. And, you know, it was basically LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis and a whole bunch of spare parts, and they beat all comers. And I give him full credit for that. Now, LeBron James had something interesting to say about his lack of respect, or at least his perceived lack of respect, uh, in his post-game victory speech, in which he talked, like LeBron does, in a way that seems humble and it seems like he is giving credit to other people and sharing the love, but it always ends up coming back to him. 
And it's the kind of thing that just makes me <laughs> remind myself why he has never been my preferred flavor of athlete. This generation of player, and LeBron in particular, has just never resonated with me. But hey, he felt the need to say it, and so he did. I'm going to find you the clip right here, and then we'll play it, and then we can talk about it, because the whole thing, the whole notion that he is not getting respect, to me, is a little bit crazy. But he believes it, and if he believes it, I guess that's what ultimately matters. So here was LeBron accepting his MVP award, making sure to give what looked like genuine appreciation to his teammates and coaches and staff, but ending up on the same place he loves to end up on, LeBron James Place, because it's all about him. Here we go. Um, we just want our respect. Rob wants his respect. Coach Vogel wants his respect. Our organization want their respect. Laker Nation want their respect. And I want my damn respect, too. Okay. To me, that landed like such a clunker. So tone deaf. What are you talking about? You're the champs. You don't need to ask for respect. Respect from who? From what? For why? You got rings you got a trophy, you're going to get a parade eventually. What the hell? It's just so odd because LeBron James, as smart as he is, and the business and the ecosystem he's built around him, it's brilliant. He's made a shit ton of money off the court with his business deals, and he's doing good things with his school and all these other initiatives. I don't begrudge any of that. But this respect thing just tells me he's still not quite getting it. You should be flying on cloud nine. There's no reason to go, I'm not getting my respect. From who? Who cares? Some asshole on Twitter or on social media? It's almost like this generation. And David Aldridge, who was on with us from the Athletic DC, who's covered the NBA forever and is about my age, just sort of laughed it off saying, I don't know what he's talking about. Pretty much everybody in my business has given LeBron James way, not too much, but they've given LeBron James the ultimate respect. You know, and to still think there's something out there. It's kind of like when he lost the NBA finals and said, well, these people that are haters, they're just going to have to go back to their miserable lives and their miserable jobs. And that too was tone deaf. LeBron, you're winning life. Enjoy it. Smile. Ride along with it. And tune out to some of the people that, you know, are uh, not perhaps loving everything that you do. There was riots uh, in LA and by riots, I think you can call them riots, even though the Associated Press and other outlets, liberal outlets say, you don't use that word riot. It's, it's pejorative. It's a mostly peaceful demonstration. This wasn't a demonstration. This was just celebrating 76 people arrested, eight officers injured, 30 plus businesses damaged or destroyed and an MTA bus set on fire. Is LeBron James, would LeBron James, would anyone for the Lakers come out and condemn this? I know, you're laughing right now, saying, of course not. What, are you crazy? I mean, look, look at this. I'm looking at the video right here. Cop cars backing up, crowd marching in unison. Just fucking mayhem. People throwing rocks and bottles at cop cars. Like, somebody come out and say, this is not 
what we want. Somebody of significance. Somebody with the Lakers. Somebody with the NBA. Somebody with the L.A. You know, government. Garcetti. Newsom. Somebody. Unless you just want this stuff to keep happening. Oh, the basketball team won a game. Let's go trash the neighborhood. Let's go attack some cops. I guess it's too much to ask. The NBA ratings were down huge for the finals. Game six drew at its peak 6 million viewers. Compared to last year, that is down almost 70%. Last year's NBA finals drew an 18.3 rating to a six rating for game six. That's game six to game six. I know there's differences, June versus October, opposite an NFL game. I get it. That's a staggering drop. That cannot be dismissed out of hand. If it's down 20%, I go, okay, I understand it. 60% plus means it is something is definitely wrong with the league's product. The Sunday night football game Seahawks-Vikings, which was kind of a snooze fest, didn't pop on TV either because of the fact that it, there was no fans there. It was very sterile. The, the, the crowd noise mixer guy for NBC, is it me or is he not very good or she not very good? Because it's not like a lot of the other TV games where you kind of feel like there's a crowd there. Seems like either the Sunday night crowd or whoever's at whoever's in charge of the Seattle fake crowd, they're doing a terrible job. Anyway, that game was not much until the very end. The NBA game was already over by then. And that game drew a 12. So it doubled the NBA. People are now spinning it like, ah, oh, the political messages, the social justice has nothing to do with the league's ratings drop. You cannot say that. It's in the mix, and it's a drag on the ratings. It's a drag on the league, and it's going to be hard to erase that perceptually. Perceptually? Perception on the bully? It's going to be hard to overcome that because it's cemented in people's minds. And the people you lost right out of the gate with, I thought, an over-the-top, heavy-handed social justice thing in the bubble, and then a shutdown for the Jacob Blake Blake shooting, which put the league on the brink, it chased away a lot of fans. And they're not coming back. Now, is that a lot 66%? No, it's not 66%. Is it 20%? Might be. 30%? Possibly. Even if it's only 10%, you're bleeding off speed. You can't do this. You don't want to do this. Adam Silver said next year the NBA will likely not feature the on-court social justice displays. And he understands that the fans just want to see a basketball game and not be subjected to social justice messaging. I think it's also quite possible that LeBron James, other than getting over with his hardcore fanboys, doesn't appeal to a broad range of sports fans. That they see him win a championship and then be like, I want my damn respect. The fuck, man? You just won the championship. What are you yelling at me for? Congratulations, you're a great ball player. Can you just enjoy it or not? So we'll see where the NBA goes from here. I'd love to see the NBA have almost a campaign that says back to basketball. Stick to <laughs> They could never call it shut up and dribble. I know they wouldn't do that, but you know, sort of a hey, this is basketball is the most beautiful team sport, one of the most beautiful team sports in the world. It's a language spoken in just about every country in the world. The entire world plays basketball. We're producing great players from all over the globe, and that's a great thing. At its flowing best, basketball is a symphony. It's mwah. 
And yet you want a league, the highest professional league in the United States, to not feel rigged, to not feel hostile to anyone who might be Caucasian, to anybody who might vote Republican. You don't want it to be a league in which you think the best teams and the biggest markets just get to steal players. It needs to be a fair league in which any team in any city, no matter how unappealing it may be from a social sort of lifestyle standpoint, has a shot at being a champ. That's where the league, I think, needs to go. Can they get there? We'll see. And that concludes my three quick thoughts on the NBA Finals. That would be ratings, riots, and what was my third R? Respect. There you go. (laughs) Ratings, you got a problem, Adam Silver, but you know it, which is good, and you're going to work on it, and let's hope you can find a way back. Riots, somebody, please, anybody, come out and forcefully condemn them. It's, It's just insane. You can't even hide behind the guise of, well, it's a protest for a good cause. This was just knuckleheadery that caused damage and injured four police officers. And then third, on uh, the respect part, hey, LeBron, you're winning life. Relax. Hey, unless you've been under a rock, you know the NFL is back, college football is back, and the NBA Finals are underway. Prime betting season right now. It's winning season, though, at my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but a little something-something on the game, whether it's Not that much, or maybe more than not that much, if you've got a hunch about something, is a lot more fun than just flipping around, oh, there's a game on. Get with MyBookie. MyBookie.com, the official website to get your sweet action with this ZabeCast. Go there right now and put your deposit in. They will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Pretty sweet, right? Plus, they've got a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away five grand in cash prizes every four weeks. I mean, come on. Get in on this. It is the best leverage you'll ever get to win a big payday without having to risk losing a big payday. All that and more is at mybookie.com. Promo code ZABE. That's promo code Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. Get that 100% dollar-for-dollar matchup. Sign up today and bet with the site I use, mybookie.com. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, it's all there at mybookie.com. All right, I had a chance to drive the Mobile Strike Studio out to John Ronis's driveway, and boy, we got into an interesting set of topics while we were in his driveway eating a donut. Uh, does Will have a 1500 like you? The one down on yeah, the street the one that's down there. lifted? Yeah, yeah that's Will's. <laughs> that is yeah, nice. Will had it first. How do you like yours? Love it. Still? Love it. Because my man Mike Darrow of uh, Milwaukee, he's, he's saying, I can just let you drive one of my cars for six months talk about it if you just because i keep joking with them I'm like you know i'm i'm commitment phobic i can't commit to things right he said that's actually fine for us because you love cars so why not just go ahead drive our cars and then talk about how great they are it. you know give it like six months yeah well you won't have anything negative to say about it i know but i'm worried it i'm worried that that truck won't fit in my garage i don't know I haven't tried. <laughs> you haven't tried? <laughs> no. You just parked well, it outside? Suburban, my Suburban fit in there. Okay. My old Suburban. So you think the Ram 1500 would fit in there? Normal? Yes. Okay. I don't think... Will's will definitely not. Okay. Lift it. Next and house. And Rebel and there's stuff like that. Next house, I'm getting a bigger garage. 
Have you seen, if you drive into uh, Shenstone Reserve, where Cooley is, if you drive around. Cooley was. Cooley was. If yes. you drive around the corner, there's some garages that are built for RVs. Really? Yeah, that, if you go into Cooley's, if you take a left instead of a right, down there, there's garages that you could have full basketball gyms in because they're built for RVs. they got to be 20 feet high. The garage door. Yeah, I'd build a, I'd build a huge garage with a tiny house. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know the TV show Tiny House Nation? Yeah. yeah. I want a TV show called Huge Garage Nation. Right. Like just all garage with a basketball hoop in there, place for your truck. Like Simulator. Right. In Wisconsin, yeah. they build garages that are heated yeah. with drains in the floor so that you can wash your car in the winter. Wow. Yeah. Because of all the salt. Yeah, because all the salt yeah. and the snow and the schmutz and everything else. But then again, who wants to do that all winter? <laughs> well, what why. else is there to do? Nothing. Drink. <laughs> right. right. Drink, stay right. inside, and be miserable. <laughs> okay. All right. We are here. It is a uh, glorious Sunday morning. I've taken the Mobile Strike Studio out on the road. I've got some new additions to it. What do you think of the setup here? Phenomenal. I say it every time I come in here, though. It's it's something this is nice new. right now. I took it's out beautiful. I took out the sound paneling to let the light in, yeah. and I think that's the better way to go. It, it's gorgeous. Right. It, it is it is much brighter and it's much larger feeling. Yeah, you you don't feel as hemmed in as with and it's very clean cut, which I love. I love sharp angles. Well, that's the thing. I I built this uh, little riser, and it's a it's a DIY job, paint and two by fours. But I built it to conceal all the wires yeah. inside. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It brings out the television set. It's not a bad 1.0 version. Yeah, of, well. Because you know I'm not going to leave it at this. Of course. Because there's won't next even... weekend. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Okay, we got uh, we got Eddie Van Halen to talk about. You being yeah. a garage band guitarist. And I say that with all due respect. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> you, you guys are a garage band, meaning... Let's be honest. You have regular day jobs. You guys play one Van Halen song, and it's called Ice Cream, uh, Ice Cream Man. Man. Yeah. And it's good. You like it. I do. Okay. Yeah. Why no other Van Halen songs? The main reason is I'm mainly the singer in the group, and to hit the notes of either uh, Sammy Hagar or David Lee Roth is so difficult right. that... Um, that we just haven't tried many of them. Okay. But we're going to try a couple more because we want to give uh, some tribute to Edward. I have uh, the 11 iconic Eddie Van Halen guitar moments here on YouTube. Did you ever have an Eddie Van Halen guitar? No. Okay. No, and I'm not a lead guitarist. Oh, I'm a okay. rhythm guitarist, which means I stink. But, but you, uh, you being my age, were you a big Van Halen fan I was, as I was? They were or part media? of my repertoire. Yeah. I, no, I would say they were up there for me. Okay. This guy was so ridiculously good. I I think he's the greatest guitarist to date. To date, yeah. Well, depends on I guess who you ask, right? Everyone's oh, got their course. preferences. Of course, who's and the fastest? People much more knowledgeable than me. Who has the better skill set with the fingers and yeah. all that stuff? 
But I think what he did was he took what Jimi Hendrix and Les Paul and those guys did, and then he took advantage of the technologies and was able to just pump it to a totally different level. Pretty good stuff right it's there. so good. <laughs> so uh, KB joked with me on the uh, morning show in, in Milwaukee. He said, I want to thank Eddie Van Halen for basically ruining every guitar center on Saturday morning with kids coming in trying to be Eddie Van Halen. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> There it is. This is when I didn't really like Van Halen as much. When it got to uh, jump and those synthesizer yeah. songs. So, anyway, will you add some more Van Halen to the yeah, we're gonna uh, add, just south of seven repertoire? We are. We're going to add, add uh, Hot for Teacher. Okay. And, um, oh, shoot, I can't remember the other one that we decided to how's add. Your, how's your drummer going to do Hot for Teacher? Does he He's have a double have bass? He's going to have to practice. On, yes, yeah, he does. Yeah. That's going to be a tough one yep. right there, I think. No yep. question about it. He's so. going to practice it. He's going to practice yep, it. A lot. Tell him to keep practicing. Yeah. Practicing a lot. All right. On the golf front, did you see where Bryson DeChambeau says he is getting, quote, staggering extra distance in his experiment so far with his 48-inch driver? Yeah. He won't say how Tre- much. Tremendous. Never seen anything like it. <laughs> <laughs> he won't say how much. But he says he's ready to unveil it at Augusta in three weeks after he's done with the Shriners. Now, yeah. here is my question. What's to stop him at Augusta from just spraying it all over the place and rallying for either pars or, at worst, a bogey? I'm trying to count the number of places that it's real trouble. For example, OB right on one is possible. There's a creek deep left on two that is also a bit dicey. Potentially, uh, Tiger Woods. Here's a here's a picture of Tiger Woods deep in the azaleas, which does happen. There's just not a lot of places to lose it. Rory behind number thirteen, I think uh, he blew it over here. Well, you know, there was a good interview with Spieth, and he was talking about on a couple of the lines if he hits it over some of these bunkers and things. So he's carrying it to forty, to fifty, to sixty. The fairway opens up to hundreds of yards. He was yes. talking about one fairway opening up to about 600 yards. Wide? Which I got to believe is down near nine in that bowl where it's wide open. Sure. Where they usually put some, you know, some spectator stuff. And, you know, you've been the there. The danger spots going through the whole course real quick as golf nerds that we are would be right on one, deep left on the tee shot on two. But I think you can smash number, it on two way far down there. The, the shoot... Open. The shoot on seven is very tight, but he can get it through there. Then it's there's no doubles to be had there. And then the next danger spot is left on 11, where Ernie Els has been before, once upon a time deep in the woods. Um, and then you've got the deep left on 13 if you overcook it. But he's going to be way over the corner anyway. Yeah. And, it, and it's open there. After that, he's home clear. He's home clear with the driver after 13. Yeah, there's a couple... Spieth was talking about a couple holes. There's certainly some shoots, but he said if he gets it through the chute out past where he's getting it, the fairway opens up to an enormous area. Right. 
There's a shoot on seven. There's a shoot on eighteen. But on eighteen, he'll be playing it over the bunker into the just general patron area to the left. To the left, yeah, where there's he's going oodles over everything. and oodles and yeah. oodles of yards and real estate. Right. There's you cannot hit it too far left once you get over the bunker. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to hit it to the first hole. I I can't I can't wait to see it. Oh, I, I can't either. Can't. I think it's going to be I great. I can't either. And for the haters out there that just haven't gotten around to this, they need to just stop their hating and realize this is uh, this is going to be fascinating to watch. I will say, this time of year, there's a possibility with the cooler weather that this... Ball didn't fly and, as far? And, no, and growing season, the greens could be running at like a 16. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Did you see how quickly they greened it up from it being yeah. dormant to that? Yeah. Okay. It's going to be amazing. All right. Now here's something I want to play for you. This is uh, the great Gary Player talking about trees on a golf course. Did you see this already? No. Okay. This was on Golf Channel. Gary Player is already one of my favorite guys, and it didn't even have to be for this particular rant. It's just I totally agree with him on this. Well, that's a very difficult question to answer, but I still hold my major championships because I made many sacrifices in my life, traveling over here 40 hours with six children and being away from home. It was a big sacrifice, you know, not living here and being easy to do it. If I'd lived here, I really believe I would have won more majors. But I'd like to enhance in what Jack, uh, Jack said about golf courses. Uh, for me, it's very important, having been a farmer, and uh, having raised a, a lot of different crops, etc., we got to watch water. We're running out of water. And water. Good water. A lot of people don't understand that. And so, and also to not over-fertilize and over-water. Water. Thing that is me crazy. <laughs> Here we go. My brother went to war to fight for the Americans when he was 17 years of age, and he became one of the world's leading conservationists. And he was a tree hugger, the same as I am. I am a tree hugger. That's and I'm great. trees on golf courses today that were 80 years old and they're slicing them down by some city slicker. They should be fined for doing this. All the great golf courses of the world, Augusta, Pine Valley, Royal Melbourne, one of Jack's golf courses at Mirfield, Jack Bill's beautiful golf courses, all had tree lined. It's nonsense to be cutting all these tree lines. It's unfair. We worry about the Amazon coming down Great. the tree, and we're doing, and we're contributing to the same effect. For goodness sake, stop cutting them down and plant more. If you don't know how to get a golf course with great shape, brush up on your knowledge, because I can tell you all the great golf courses of the world were tree-lined around the greens and around the fairways. <laughs> oh, wow. so how about at, that? And we're now, at Tiger's course here that they cut down every tree. Uh, is that is this oh, Tiger's new course? Yeah, is that it right uh, there? It looked like they just chopped down every tree. I guess that's yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the, well, the it's super... all about agronomy these days. I know, and you get your money by having good shape. And these trees—they're pain in the ass. Roots, you know, leaves, take up water, and all that other yeah. stuff. I love Gary Player though; he's, it's great. He's though. Just, <laughs> just right out. There. I am a tree hugger. Tree my hugger. my brother who fought the Nazis for America. <laughs> for trees. A tree hugger as well. <laughs> he fought the war for trees. <laughs> exactly. All right, top three Tuesday, because this will air on Tuesday. Top three coaches of all time. I'm going with number three, Will Bill Belichick. Three? Three, yes. 
You think he should be one? Yes. Okay. Growing up in Acton, Massachusetts, I would say that Bill Belichick is number one. Belichick has done so much in a salary cap era. Yes, he had Brady. But to keep that relationship as solid as it was for all those years and then to add just the necessary pieces around him, including pieces that were sometimes spare parts. Yes. Troy Brown playing two ways. When will ever, anyone Hogan ever... Hogan was a lacrosse player. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So he's number three. Number two is this guy, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh was the greatest innovator of the modern era. All these things that came in, the West Coast offense, plus the Bill Walsh tree. You know, the Belichick tree has only produced sour fruit. You're absolutely For whatever right. reason. Now, yes. is that Belichick's fault? I don't know exactly. But Walsh not only innovated... But he also had a tree that produced tons of great coaches. Yeah. So I put him number two. And, of course, number one has got to be Vince Lombardi for the way he connected with his players as a professional coach. These were pros. Granted, they had to have jobs in the offseason because they didn't make enough from the NFL to not have a job. But uh, Lombardi, I think, Could still Vince is Lombardi the greatest of all time. Could Vince Lombardi be the greatest coach in today's era? That's unknowable. Yeah. That, that is a question. That's a cop-out answer right there. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Yeah, yep. Speaking of cop-out answers. Look at this clown. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I'm not going to get to that yet. Speaking of cop-out answers, last night at dinner, my daughter Megan, back for a quick weekend uh, from college. Oh, good. We were talking about, I said, do you guys have off Columbus Day or whatever we're calling it right. now? Indigenous people, right? Is that, right. Is Indigenous that what Northern peoples. Virginia's calling it? Something like that. It's fine. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, whether I said, yeah, we knocked all the statues down, but we're still getting a day off. So yeah. at least there's that. <laughs> and so it came down to Christopher Columbus, and I said, I asked this question to Megan. I said, so what should Columbus have done? She's like, what kind of dumb – I can't answer that. What kind of dumb question is that? And I said, it's the essential question. You are decrying Columbus as a colonizer, a guy who came and took land from the indigenous people, brought diseases that wiped out 70% of the population. I don't dispute any of it. What should he have done? Should he have landed here and then turned around and said, oh, cool new place, looks spacious, not doing much with it. Right. Now I'm going to go home. And she didn't want to answer the question. Yeah. And I said, it's fine to say it turned out badly for some people, but... At the time, people are exploring the world. They're getting on boats and sailing across oceans where you're like, I don't know what the fuck's out here. Right. Probably death. Probably death and disease and misery for me. But I have this absolute um, compulsion. I have a destiny to explore. Yeah. That's what Columbus did. If it wasn't Columbus, it would have been somebody else. Yeah, I was about to say that. I'm sure there's plenty Christopher Collins who went out there and they're dead. (laughs) (laughs) We just know Columbus because he made it. Anyway, so the question of whether Lombardi would be, uh, what did you say, would Lombardi be good in today's NFL? It's unknowable. Yeah. All right. It's unanswerable. Fair enough. Yeah. Just, Fair just, enough. Just like the question I posed to my daughter who got very annoyed because, you know what, she's <laughs> she's at 18 years old. She's in college. She's supposed to have these idealistic thoughts. That's right. Okay. Uh, let's see. We go to uh, top three Tuesday, top three fattest ball players in baseball history. Number three, Pablo Sandoval. Yeah. Look Is at he, that. He's number three? Got, he's number three. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, look at that. 
Kung Fu Panda. That gives you an idea of the freak show that it is to hit a major league pitch. That you don't even hardly have to be in shape. Because it is such a ridiculous freak show to be able to put a bat on a pitch. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so it's, hard. It's hips and hands and eyes and twitch. Yeah. Hips, hips, hands, eyes, twitch, experience. Hips, hands, eyes, twitch, experience. Study to know what the pitcher likes to do. Or cheat. Hips, hands, eyes, switch. Yeah. Uh, st- uh, what did I say? Hips, hands, eyes, twitch. twitch. Experience. Experience. Trash can in the dugout. (laughs) (laughs) And that doesn't hurt Two hits or one hit. Speaking of trash can in the dugout, let me see if I can find this. Uh, G-Man Choi, are you aware of him? No. Okay, G-Man Choi is another fat, doughy guy. He plays for the Tampa Bay Rays, who you're going to have to get to know because they're in the ALCS. Yeah, can you believe it? And they're good, okay? Uh, G-Man Choi smoking cigar. Oh, sweet. In the dugout? A banging on trash can. Let's see if it comes up. Great. Here. Uh, there it is. There it is. Boom. This right. Be there. number one in the Google search. <laughs> this is funny. And singing. It says. <laughs> of course, it's on Reddit. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Let's take a look. <laughs> that is fantastic. There it is. That is great. They're playing they're playing New York because they just beat the Yankees. That is great. <laughs> the Yankees the greatest team ever assembled. Yeah. No, because they lost again. I know. Again. They lost again. So again. here's a here's a pop quiz for you. What what is the total value of Garrett Cole's contract who pitched on short rest in that game five and did not Total value, I believe, is is it four hundred and eight million? You overshot is three seventy five? No, I think it's three twenty four. Oh, is it? It's, okay. My point is it's such an astronomical number. That this is where we are now in sports because we have numbers that are so huge, you don't even think like – you're not even keeping track. I wasn't even keeping track. I'm like, I know they paid Garrett Cole a shitload of money, and I forgot exactly how much it was. And I don't even know the years. I think it's like nine years. Damn near $30 million a year. More than $30 million a year. I And yet, they're like, this is why we paid him all that money to win a game five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Sucks. What are you going to do? Teams are going to keep spending that money, and they're going to keep I mean, you do still have to do players. it on pitchers because they know. have the best chance. But right. it's still, it's one game. Right. And in this year, it was shortened. Back to the fattest guys. Sandoval. Sandoval's number smokes. two. C.C. Sabathia. Look at that Carlton view. Charles Sabathia, um, who uh, is actually slimmed down now. Um, but this is an old photo. But when he pitched, we, I know this is radio, but we have a in, great view here of just a goiter right there. I mean, that thing is huge. You call that a goiter, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's a full right. keg in there. All right. And then number th- uh, number one, uh, just all-time fattest Major League players, <laughs> Bartolo Colon. Because Bartolo Colon was so consistently fat for so many different teams for so many years, and he was still 
good into his 40s as a pitcher. Well, he threw about 68 miles an hour. He just could hit his spots. But he got guys out. I know. So it doesn't matter how incredible. fast he threw. He got guys out. Very End well proportioned guy, too. Just, <laughs> like my <that>. goodness. <laughs> okay, and I think I have one more top three list here. That's no. Uh, that's it. Coaches, fat guys, and there you go. That's uh, great. What did you want to talk about today? You said you want to talk about the fall sports schedule and the COVID rearrangements. Well, you know, I mean, I just, I'm on the train of trying to to get these kids back to play sports and, um, you know, to get off my chest, there's a, we got an email the other day from our athletic department saying coaches free golf tournament coaches free. There was someone offering and there was someone doing a golf tournament and they wanted the coaches very nice, giving the coaches an opportunity to play in a golf tournament. And I commend them for that, you know, giving back because the coaches have been through a lot also, but isn't it a bit hypocritical for me? as a golf coach who wasn't allowed to play in the fall to then go play <laughs> in a free... golf tournament <laughs> that my kids could be playing in. And it said, if you have a ringer from your team, you can bring them along. Oh, great. Great. Thanks. Yeah. Great. They should be competing against their fellow They would be in the state teenagers. championship this week. Right. But instead, they're going to mm. be playing. And does anyone care about COVID at that tournament? Apparently not. Apparently doesn't care about COVID in every other oh. junior tournament that there's one there's got to be 50 to 100 a day in the United States tournaments. That are what? That are, that are offered for juniors. Oh, Junior right. tournaments. Right. I see someone said all the juniors are playing golf now anyway with each other. That's what I'm saying. On the local it, golf course. There's a, of course they are. Yeah. And they're going to school four days a week. Yeah. And most of the seniors no, are out at ten no, thirty in the morning. No, they're going to Zoom four days yeah. a week. They're so going to I'm just, I, you know, what I just got to keep it in people's minds that we got to play sports, and hopefully the um, December sixth will be the start of for Loudoun County here of our of our sports, and they'll start with basketball, and hopefully that'll happen. And then February fifteenth, we season. get to tee it up. <laughs> can I can I be the there ice. with the uh, Mobile Strike Studio for the first oh, tee shot of Feb fifteen? And I'll, yeah. be, I'll go outside with a microphone. Yeah. I'm here on the f- f- first yeah. tee. <laughs> I mean, there won't be any water hazards because they'll be frozen solid. So you just jump right over it. So, yeah, that's. We'll, that's, we'll uh, get there. We'll get there. You, you just, saw what happened over the weekend with uh, Texas A&M? No. Texas A&M basically said, oh, 25%. <laughs> here's 25%. Oh, they, no, I watched the game. Yeah, they had like I told 50, Laura. I said, they had like at least 50% capacity. And they were going back and forth oh, and doing yeah. things. It was incredible. And uh, and Dan Mullen, who took the L that day uh, for Florida, is getting ready for a big matchup against LSU coming up at home. And he said, because we're allowed full capacity, I hope Florida will allow full capacity. And so it was like, 90,000 at the swamp? And he's like, yeah. 90,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because guess what? All these things keep happening and nothing bad is happening in the wake of it. There are no big outbreaks. There are no big, oh yeah. my God, there was a cluster of 73 kids and they're all hospitalized. In fact, they, they, they aggregated 70,000 plus positive COVID cases in college campuses around the country. You know how many hospitalizations they had? Three. Three. And you know how many deaths they had? Zero. Yeah. And yet there's still this paranoia. This paranoia. I mean, today I saw a woman walking down the street at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning wearing a face shield. Alone. Yes. Outside. Alone. Outside. And I just thought. It, you know what? It, I, 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 I don't... She was old. Right. She looked frail. I didn't want to tell her, ma'am, there's other things coming for you. Right. 
Like the caterpillars. And, <laughs> the bus the caterpillars? caterpillars. <laughs> They're on the Zabin farm, I was told. Dude, have you seen one yet? No. Do but you, did you, when you grew up in McLean, we would go fishing and stuff. I would all take caterpillars and put them on the hook. Okay. Holy smokes. These pus caterpillars. Mm, those are nasty. <laughs> they, look, they look like basically a walking hairpiece. Yeah. Or a, crawl, or a crawling hairpiece, oh, as it were. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> and they say they're very venomous. Yeah. Spitting Holy cobras. Holy crap. Yeah, look I, at that. If I see one of those, I'm out. I'm, I'm hey, did somebody did somebody drop their toupee, yeah. or is that a venomous caterpillar right That's there? Incredible. That is incredible. That is incredible. Right so there. those are coming for you. And I don't begrudge that lady, but what it comes down to is that's the information that's given to us. That that poor lady thinks that she has to walk outside her house with a face mask on. Yeah, because because uh, that dipwad Robert Red not Robert Redfield not Redford yeah not Redford uh, said in one of the dumbest statements ever. This mask he held up is almost as good as a vaccine. Maybe better. Right. I'm like, well, then why the fuck is Big Pharma spending billions of dollars and racing to cook up a vaccine that could make your head explode? Yeah. Let's just wear a mask. Dumbest thing ever. Head of the CDC said that before Congress. Yeah. And most of the world barely blinked when everyone should have said, whoa, whoa, whoa. See, if Trump would have said that, they would have gone crazy, and they would have said, oh, this idiot. They would have treated it like the bleach comments, which were twisted a bit yeah. and tortured a bitch, bit. So it's almost like Trump should do the, the dumb shit that the others are doing, so the media finally calls him out for, no, nah, that's not the case. Oh, well. Yeah, it's, it's just... We'll get there. Depends on what channel you watch. It's just a, a matter of time. It's a joke. Just a matter of time. All it's right, so... Um, Anything else? How's uh, how's the Rovers well, Academy doing I, this at River This is what Creek? I want to throw. It's doing if you fine. Live, if you live here, by the way, in the D.C. area, go to the Ronas Academy at River Creek. Get yourself some lessons. Winter sessions available because you have a nice cozy hut. Very good. Heated hut. Here's what I would like to throw out there because you have a worldwide audience. Worldwide. Any PGA professionals or anyone else who would like to get involved. I have started a mentorship program, and it's I have three kids. I started with Washington First Tee. And I'm going to make this a national event. I'm starting a 5013C, and we're going to get funding and everything else. Okay. These three kids are, are uh, underprivileged golfers. And I've, I've said a million times, we have such an underrepresentation of minority golfers in the PGA of America and on the PGA Tour. And so I said to myself, <clears throat> you know, Zabe, when I first met you, this is what we talked about, actually, on, the, on your radio show. I called in. You said, what? Why do we have not enough under minority golfers on tour? And we, we agreed it was caddies, that we don't have caddy programs anymore. Okay. It's a golf cart. So the Washington First Tee or the First Tee program in the United States introduces these young people to uh, the game of golf, and it's great. But as soon as they get introduced and they show some promise, they'll never have the means at 12, 13 to progress. They won't be able to take lessons. They won't be able to afford clubs. They won't be able to get the enter, new clubs. Tur- enter tournaments, travel. Everything. Everything's very expensive. So I stepped in and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take these kids as foster children of golf. Nice. I'm going to take care of their fees. I'm going to get their clubs. I'm going to do everything that's, that I need to do. How are you going to raise the money? We're, you gonna I'm going to get gonna plenty. Rob a bank? I'm going to get plenty of uh, – Callaway's going to give me Nice. Um, money. They got money. Yeah, and we're going to get Nike's plenty got of, money. Get their money. Plenty of organizations that are going to be on board 
for this. And here's a story that I want to tell everyone because I want everyone to contact me at johnronisgolfacademy at gmail.com. Any PGA professional, let's get it out to different sections. And if you you want to give me uh, some money to help these kids, we'll do it. Not yet, but we'll do it. This is a story I have to give you. Fourth week that I'm doing this. I have a, uh, a gentleman, he says, you know, can I talk to you about my daughter? She's, her, his daughter's in the program. And um, I said, sure. He says, you know, I, uh, I bring my daughter to the tournaments, and I was 30 years in the military. He served for our country for 30 years. And, um, you know, I have some parents who'll say, you know, she needs this club, or she should be fitted for this. He says, I don't know anything about golf, and I don't know if I have the means to get her this stuff. He said, I just want my daughter to feel like she fits in. Wow. And I turned to him and I said, I got it. I'll take care of it. And he had a tear in his eye. Now, this is a guy, he's probably a badass who, you know, fought yeah. for our country. But like all of us, is all we want is the best for our children. Right. And he felt he couldn't do that. And he and was in a totally strange Totally land. strange environment, Golf. right? Golf. So that is my expertise. So why can't? Why can't I take care of that for this person, right? And I'm not saying this for myself. I say this for we, we PGA professionals, not me. I could care less. I'm not naming this after my name, this mentorship program. It's going to be completely generic because we want to go national. But we people and PGA professionals can do it. We're going to, yeah. Let me, let me, let me, let me. You're going to have to noodle it through. You're the best. You help me with my. I'm okay. Every now and then I come up with some pretty good names. Very good. A, a name that with just a single mention hooks in the mind of the people. Yeah. I get it. Because we'll mentorship it. is pretty vague, pretty broad. It, that's going to be the, the, the sentence underneath. The it's got to be a name. Right, but you need a hook for yeah, it. Yeah, and I have like the that. kids, who, they're working on it because they, they're going to be the uh-huh. first. And I said, you want to look back in 20 years and say, you were the first kids to start this program. And so I'm, I'm very excited about it. Obviously, you can see I'm passionate about it. But it's something that... Uh, you know, we got to give back to something that we're passionate about in life, and this yeah. is the only thing I can do. No, so it's good, though. We're going to do it. As you and I know, golf golf is a sport that gives and gives and gives for a lifetime in relationships, people you meet, experiences you have, lessons it teaches. Yeah. It's, I'm, not knock, I'm not knocking other sports. Other sports are great, but the game of golf is the greatest game ever invented. No question, and, and again – all sports get your kids playing something because it teaches yeah. you life lessons that you'll you'll never learn otherwise. All right, what are you going to do with that donut I brought you? you gonna, I am going to devour gonna, it. You're going to drag it into your lair. And then I am going to devour it and watch my dogs drool in front of me. I love but it. Dave, I can't. I, I tell you what, this place is phenomenal. And I really look forward to hearing the mobile fishbowl. I'm calling yes, it. Yes, so many. The, the windows open here. The potential of this, you know, for all of you out there who who buy this podcast and 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 just get on and listen to this the Zabe cast, which is amazing. The potential that he's got in this facility is just it's endless. I mean, Theisman lives right down the road. We should just drive right down there right now That's and wake the plan. him up. Am- ambush, and ambush interview. Get on in, Joe. Like, Let's talk about Joe, asking. Joe, I'm in your driveway. In fact, I, I'm just going to find people of note and then drive up to their house and start honking the horn. Yeah. Until they come out. And they're you, like, what the hell is going out. on out here? He'll come out. He'll come out. We should drive over. His cows connect to my property right here. So 
Joey um, T lives right over there? Right down the street here. Get out of here. Yeah, he's got a nice little farm. So, the quarterback anyways, of my youth. keep listening to the Zabecast because right. it's got phenomenal opportunity. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Okay, let's end on some Rona Roundup stuff. Interesting tweet from somebody who said there's two biases that have really warped our coronavirus response. The action bias and the illusion of control bias. And I would agree strongly on both of those. The action bias says doing something is better than doing nothing. And as Brian Nelson would always say, and it was one of the more brilliant things that he has said, and he says a lot of smart things, is doing nothing is very underrated. So the notion of we got to do something, masks, shutdowns, plexiglass barriers. By the way, did you see the plexiglass barrier that the Santa Clara County Commissioner made the Fox crew put up in its booth? between his two announcers who are both wearing masks while calling the game. Yeah, a plexiglass barrier. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. But there it was. Like that was going to do anything. In addition to the fact they're wearing masks, in addition to it's just two different people, in addition to the fact that there's other people all around doing stuff and going places and m- mingling with each other. I mean, look at that hot nonsense right there. The plexiglass barely rises above their mouths. I think I could see the virus going over and around. I do wish I'd invested in plexiglass futures back in March. I think I would have cleaned up quite nicely on that front had I done that. So anyway, the illusion of control is another one, which is that, oh, we have some control over this virus. Nobody wants to believe. I mean, not nobody, but a lot of people are like, when I say virus going to virus, oh, come on, you can't say that. That's the core truth. The illusion of control is something that is crippling this nation and others. Also, get a load of this. The CDC just reported that 70% of those who came down with COVID-19 symptoms had been wearing a mask. 70%. Either all the time or most of the time. <laughs> Oh, but masks work. We got a study we just did in the last couple of weeks. There was actually a study I was reading from. Get a load of this. So here's the headline. The headlines are always like, uh, mask mandates can almost have COVID-19 infections, says study. All right, let's go ahead and read the story a bit more closely, shall we? Areas that enforced mask wearing saw an average weekly reduction of 25 to 31% in newly diagnosed COVID-19 cases relative to those that did not have such a policy. This was uh, in different areas of Canada. Simon Fraser University has the study. The variance in regions was in part due to how many people complied with the mandate in each area. Uh, That's a factor. It is also yet to be peer-reviewed, which means it's really not much of a study until your peers get to look at it and go, wait a minute, you didn't do this, that, or the other. They said a face mask mandate may not be effective in practice if it fails to increase the prevalence of mask-wearing compliance or if it leads to increased contacts due to a false sense of security. So in other words, 
it may be working in that a lot of people are wearing the masks, but then it's causing them to get too close to other people because they think, oh, I'm wearing a mask. I'm invincible. The British Columbia University's economics team also noted that masks have become a contentious policy issue with, quote, conspiracy theories and misinformation despite the comparative ease of wearing them. So in other words, if you say, but I've got this study that says they're not effective, or I've got this example, real world, of how they're not effective, or if you say, okay, the effectiveness aside, you can't compel somebody to wear something on their body, it goes against our constitutional rights. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's civics 101. That's basically, okay, if we don't stop this now, what's next? You know what the answer is. What's next is a vaccine, what you have to put in your body. But anyway, it was also not clear if the reduced spread was maintained after the initial period the mask mandate was implemented, the scientists concluded. Science! So it's like, yeah, it slowed it down for a week, but we're not sure if it kept it up after that. Here's the, of course, dirty, dirty secret you and I know. So what if you slow it down? The only reason to slow it down, slow the growth to, you know, flatten the curve. Two weeks to flatten the curve. We're in day 250 or whatever it is. It's still going to spread. You stop it with a mask now temporarily just to keep it from overwhelming the hospitals, which it's not. It's still going to spread. So what's the point? They said, we conclude the mask mandates can be a powerful policy tool for at least temporarily reducing the spread of COVID-19 with little associated economic disruption, at least in the short run. Ha, short run. 250 plus days and we keep going. That's their short run? Okay. A couple of things real quick. Chris Christie out of the hospital. That's good news. 58-year-old who eats 376 meatballs, said somebody on Twitter. He's recovered quickly. POTUS, 74, and slams Big Big Macs, recovered in days. Can the media at least acknowledge that this thing is not the death sentence they so desperately want it to be? Of course, Christie and uh, the president got, I'm sure, top-line treatment, so that could factor in. But yeah, neither won the picture of health, to be sure. Nutritionists and dietitians. Remember when they told us that eggs were bad because of cholesterol and healthy grains, i.e. cereals, bread, etc., were essential? It's not that they were wrong. It's that they were completely 180 degrees wrong, and yet they were all qualified. Points out somebody on the internet, and some had, many had PhDs. That's, I have a qualification, I have a PhD. Here's what we should do. How do you know you're right? The last thing that I saw today, which was great, was a meme that said, it's not science if you cannot question it. That's a religion, or that's a cult, or that's an article of faith. And I said, that's perfect. The science is settled. Stop questioning it. It's not science then. You're now trying to make me conform and believe in something that is an act of faith, an article of faith that must not be questioned by you. Otherwise, science is such that, hey, if you want to question it, if you want to bring up other evidence, fine. We're comfortable in saying we'll let the facts and the science and the differing opinions sort themselves out in an open discussion. 
It's the quashing of any dissent that is truly amazing and kind of frightening, to be honest. But, hey, it is what it is. All right, that'll do it for me today on all that stuff. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast to be enjoyable, tell a couple friends. Rate and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast because guess what? Helps with our algorithmic overlords. And remember, this thing is just a supplement to what I do every day, which is six hours of sports talk radio in both Milwaukee on 97.3 The Game in the morning, 6 to 9 a.m., as well as 3 to 6 p.m. on Afternoon Drive in Washington, D.C. WTEM, the Team 9.8. So get all the me you want and have fun with it. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Tuesday, and we will see you next time. Hey, unless you've been under a rock, you know the NFL is back, college football is back, and the NBA Finals are underway. Prime betting season right now. It's winning season, though, at my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but a little something-something on the game. Whether it's not that much or maybe more than not that much, if you've got a hunch about something, is a lot more fun than just flipping around, oh, there's a game on. Get with my bookie. MyBookie.com, the official website to get your sweet action with this ZabeCast. Go there right now and put your deposit in. They will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Pretty sweet, right? Plus, they've got a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away five grand in cash prizes every four weeks. I mean, come on. Get in on this. It is the best leverage you'll ever get to win a big payday without having to risk losing a big payday. All that and more is at mybookie.com. Promo code ZABE. That's promo code Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. Get that 100% dollar-for-dollar matchup. Sign up today and bet with the site I use, mybookie.com. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, it's all there at mybookie.com.